Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. The Pride of Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get you 15% off your order. That's POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the POD cast, the Pride of Detroit podcast coming to you live Sunday night after most of week 12 is over. We have rested. We have gotten our heads cleared after a tough Thursday night game, which we will talk about in a bit. But my name is Jeremy Reisman. I am filling in as the adequate host this week for Chris Perfett. I uh, want to thank Chris for, for filling in on Thanksgiving night and giving you guys some audio content that night. Uh, while I'm sure some of you needed something to listen to, to, to provide maybe some therapy or whatever, but we're here to continue to, <laughs> to soothe the burns as we get further and further away from week 12 and move towards week 13. Um, uh, filling in my spot because I'm filling in Chris's spot is the machine. Is at, at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric Schlitt is here. Eric, thanks for filling in, buddy. I wasn't going to, but then when I realized we'd have a chance to get the band back together, I thought it was too good of an opportunity to pass up. That's right. Yeah. I mean, we aren't taking questions, so it doesn't quite feel the same, but hopefully the, the listeners will enjoy it. I'm sure they will. Except for the ones that are really angry and think the line suck and just want us to say that for 60 minutes straight, which we're not going to do. Not with me on board. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we also have another third person aboard, and you guys know him. You love him. He is the rock god. He is senior editor of Pride Detroit. He is Ryan underscore POD on Twitter. Ryan Matthews is also here. Ryan, how's your Sunday night going, buddy? I feel a bit like Ringo. You know what I mean? Get the band <laughs> back together. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. wow. That, was a, that was a swing, and I appreciate taking a swing. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Yep. Shout out Dan Pask. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we're moving on. Let's move on. Let's talk. Let's, you know, we've, I've avoided talking about this game quite a bit. I've avoided writing a lot about this game, but I think it's about time. 
that we face it head on. Lions lose to the Packers 29 to 22 on Thanksgiving. Not a good showing really on either side of the ball. Um, and and Lions fans are, are understandably concerned about the direction of the team because they didn't look great the week before, even though they picked up the win against the Chicago Bears. So let's let's just jump kind of head in. Um, Brian, I'll throw it to you first. What was kind of your main takeaway from this game? Um, were you surprised? Were you mad? Are you are you concerned? Are you jumping ship? How how are we feeling? Um, certainly not jumping ship. You know, it's 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 an eight and three football team at the end of the day, right? Like if the Lions were a perfect football team, they would have a perfect record. Um, alas, they are not. Um, and I think just you know, Thanksgiving was uh, another stark reminder of when things go sideways on offense. Um, just how difficult it can be for this team to overcome uh, the the obstacles that are that are ahead of them, right? Like I, I think when when we have Jared Goff turning the ball over, um, you know, a bunch in a in a half uh, in a quarter, um, you know, so to speak, I guess, you know, when when things are going sideways for the offense, it's just hard for this football team to to stick together and to move forward and. I think it boils down to the offense, though, Eric. For me, I I think when I think about this loss, I think it's kind of indicative of again, it, it was it was it was almost the Chicago game, but like ramped up to twelve, so to speak. You know what I mean? In terms of the offense, just looking, um, you know, out of rhythm, golf looking out of sorts, um, and and just having to play catch up in a way that they really haven't had to play catch up all year. And I know we maybe kind of talked about, Hey, that's one thing we want to see. Can the lions offense, if it, if it finds itself in a hole, can it pull itself out of that hole? Well, they did against Chicago. I think green Bay is a better football team than the Chicago bears are. And that just ended up not happening. Um, but it, it, it does feel, uh, it, it does feel like to me in the here and now, um, and I guess I want to kind of hear Eric's thoughts about this, but like, I, I think in the here and now, the things that can be fixed are they they seem like they can they seem like they're fixable. The things that can be fixed seem like they're fixable. Number one being Jared Goff, just don't turn the ball over so darn much, right? Like it, it that seems like it's a fixable problem. Um some of the other issues, maybe like on the defense and so on, it, it feels like those might be like offseason things that the Lions might need to address. But I I think that still this team their best foot forward is their offense just being white hot. Right. And 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 if they can get back to that, which I, I feel like we have enough data that shows that the Lions could get back to that. I'm I'm not all that concerned. Yeah. For me, the biggest takeaway is I, I, I kind of, I feel like I've seen the picture of what the Lions approach is a little bit better. And that approach in my mind is that the defense is going to try and keep you in games but they're not going to be able to win you games, right? So they, they're going to give up between around 20 points, maybe go all the way up to 30, but their job is to slow the game down and try and keep the point total as low as they possibly can. They're not going to be at the type of defense that they're that are going to be able to take over and win a game. You've seen it earlier in the season, but that's not really what they are overall. They just, they don't have the horses, the approach that they have to, to, Every quarterback now apparently is just this contain approach and and then zone behind it. And it seems like they're just trying to just keep everything like minimized, right? As much as they can. They can do this and still win games because the offense is so good. But when the offense is bad, 
and your defense is playing this minimalistic type of approach, your offense isn't winning you the game, then you're going to lose, right? If the, if the offense can't just take over and then you're going to lose those games because the defense can't do it either. Right? So when you look at this game, Number one thing is exactly what you said, turnovers, right? If you can shore up, those are correctable things. You can shore those up. And if you if you do, that is a huge problem immediately out of the way. The second biggest problem I thought was the, the offensive line struggled and two of their best players struggled on that offensive line. And that is an anomaly, right? Especially to have them both happen at the exact same time. Must have been something up with the moon or something like that. And so we've got the... Two guys that aren't doing so good, and it's just rare. And then the turn combining with the turnovers, it's just a bad news all the way across the board. And so you don't expect Panay Sewell to have a bad game, and he it rarely does. You don't expect Frank Rag not to have a bad game. He rarely does. So, like, you're not going to anticipate – like, the odds are they're not going to have bad games moving forward, and they're going to get back into the swing of things. And if you can shore those up, and then you can shore up your turnovers – this offense has the potential to keep you in it and then and to win, especially some of the teams that they have down the stretch. So yes, things are correctable. Yes, things, but I mean, I feel like they've kind of been it, the fact they're not really changing who they are. Yeah. And so I kind of feel like they, this is what they are and they're going to have to lean on their offense to, to win pretty much here on out. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I know that, it's frustrating for a lot of people to hear, right? They're they're expecting the defense to get better. They they want Aaron Glenn gone. They want them to trade for this guy at the trade deadline. But I th- I think I think first of all we have to come to a realization that they they just don't have the horses on defense to to really compete and be one of these teams that that's going to force a bunch of turnovers that that's going to force a bunch of sacks and pressures and things like that. Um, I mean you have you have Aiden, you have Aleem, you have Alex, Alex Anzalone and Brian Branch. Those are the four guys playing at a good to great level. Everyone else is playing at a a below average. And I don't think there's a single exception outside of those guys. That's that's a dire situation. And you can blame coaching if you want. You can blame scheme if you want. But I don't think the Lions have the players on defense. Offensively, we know they do. And, and, And I'm right with Eric. Like, I'm just taking that Green Bay game as an anomaly. If you if you listen to what Green Bay said after that game, this was a circle the schedule kind of game. They got embarrassed in Lambeau. They came in hungry for this game. Didn't matter that it was a short week. They may have been looking at this one late last week as as one that they really wanted. And listen, as 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 good as the Lions have been against some shutdown pass rushers, Joey Bosa and the like, I think Rashawn Gary is a very special player. And that's not just the Michigan me talking. Like, I think I think he is one of the most <laughs> underrated edge players in the league. And so you, you have to at least tip your hat to him a little bit in this game because he was so good. And so I think I think the lines are going to rebound offensively. I, I just there there are con- some concerns about Jared Goff. I think th- those are the ones that we're not entirely sure that are going to turn around. Right. But but at the same time. Part of the reason Jared Goff has struggled recently was because the offensive line wasn't playing off the snuff. Even going back to Chicago game a little bit, there was a little bit more pressure in that Chicago game than, than I think a lot of people expected. So if the offensive line can get their act together. And like both of you said, there's enough data to expect that will happen. Jared Goff will also improve. Jared Goff will also not turn the ball over as much because he's turning it over when he's pressured. If he's not pressured, 
which he hasn't been for most of the season, he's going to be better. He's going to take care of the ball better. The question that that I guess I'll throw to you guys really quick, though, like, is there is there any sense in you guys that defenses are starting to figure them out, that the Lions are that they're, they're figuring ways to generate pressure against the Lions, knowing that that's going to be the thing that melts down Jared Goff and stops this offense in general? Not for me. Um, I mean, like you, teams are going to build, you know, uh, an extensive library of information on on every team, and and you're going to get you're going to have better, more detailed game plans as you go down the stretch. Um, at the same time, I don't think there was anything that Green Bay did other than just win. Like yeah. they just win their one on ones. Their bat, yeah. right? And that's honestly like they won a yeah. lot of their one-on-ones. Um, it was Graham Glasgow got getting upended by uh by Kenny Clark was not expected. Yeah. Um Rashawn Gary beating Decker was three times was or I mean, you know, I don't know if Decker three got sex. credit for all of them, yeah. but uh but that was not expected. Um even Sewell, like and again. Some of this is the like, and I feel like we're being kind of critical of the offensive line. Like some of this is Jared rolling out into sure. into bad blocks held, as well. He right? held onto the ball way too long on several occasions. As yes, well. exactly. But I don't. I I think they just got outworked. Yeah, and I and that's going to happen in the NFL. Like that is just part of. Uh, I mean, look 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 at the games out there today. Look at the games that we saw on Thursday. Like. Seattle's a good team. They got waxed. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's the, the chiefs are eight and three, you know what I mean? Like it's, they get, they've gotten beat like, and, and they're, you know, the Mecca of the Super Bowl champs. Right. So it's, I think it, they just, I don't think the, the Packers did anything out of the ordinary other than just, like you said, when they're one-on-ones. I think though, Jeremy, to, to the point, I think we're kind of, making is yeah i mean like i don't know if necessarily the secret is out like if you pressure jared goff um mistakes will follow but earlier in the season right like there was a lot of data that we had that said jared goff is playing really well when he's faced with pressure yeah. he's 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 making throws he's making big time throws um there's something about the past two weeks though that really seemed like there's something off with um either either his timing or his rhythm or getting the ball out when he needs to get it out. And he he's, I'll tell you this, like this offense doesn't go as Jared Goff goes. Um, and, and what I mean by that is he doesn't need to make plays outside of structure. Like if he just does the things that are asked of him and doesn't turn the football over, I think the lions are going to be in just about every football game that, 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 that they're going to play. Like I, I really do because I think once those turnovers happen, it's just it, it's putting this offense in a position where they can't stick to their identity. They want to ground and pound. They want to smash you in the mouth. They want to control the the pace of the game. And, and if we can flip over and, and talk about the defense a little bit, like, yeah, I mean, Green Bay, 22 carries for 109 yards. But, you know, three of those are Jordan Love plays. 39 yards, you take those away. I mean, they did a pretty good job of boxing up the running backs, right? Like, I mean, AJ Dillon, 14 carries for 43 yards. Yep. You know, I, I I think, and I think, you know, everybody outside of Jordan Love, it was like a 3.3 yards, yards per carry. Like the run defense is still good. Um, and I, I think that's just a big part of, 
of who the Lions want to be um, is, is a team that can dictate the pace and uh, you know dictate the, the the pace of the game. And if they can do that, then I think their offense is just fine. And I I, I would even argue that the defense has been a little bit better than I think some people have imagined. I'm not I'm gonna not gonna sit here and tell you that the Lions defense is playing well right now. They're not. One of the things that they absolutely have to get under control is the beginning of games, right? They they give up a 75-yard drive to the Bears last week. They give up two 75-yard drives to start this game. I mean, the very first play of the game. Yeah. Christian right. Watson. I mean, Dave how, Campbell had talked about it all week long. Right. I can't imagine like, how frustrated big, big he plays, was yeah. for that to be the very first play. That needs to get under control. No question. But again, the offense keeps putting this team in a bad situation. They're turning the ball over on downs all day. Two fumbles. One gets returned for a touchdown. The obviously defense isn't responsible for those points. The other two, four and out for Green Bay and a punt. So like they stopped those turnovers from turning into points. They they allowed they, they gave the offense opportunities to win this game or get back in this game. The Lions had several drives get close that could have made this a much closer game. And and some of that is probably yes, Green Bay taking the foot off the gas, but it's also. We 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 wring our hands about the the past defense and and you should it's it's bad and we'll we'll get into that next segment but part of the reason they're able to stay in games is because they have a they still continue to have a, a really good run defense and when teams are trying to run out the clock on you that comes in handy and allows your offense an opportunity to get back in this game so they gave the offense an opportunity to get back in this game and the offense repeatedly said no thanks I I think the success against the run is going to it might end up being to their detriment. Mm-hmm. And and here's what I mean. Um, because they've been using contain to stop the run and it's working, they're getting what they want. Right. They don't see the need to change it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when you play a zone shell behind it and you're not getting pressure because you're so focused on stopping the run, you're just leaving windows. It's like, yeah. The quarterback just has to sit and wait for the right window to open and then pick the biggest one. And so the only way this defense gets better is that and is if you continue and you want to continue to play contain to stop the run is you either have to switch to man or you have to blitz more because you have to find a way to get pressure on on quarterbacks. If you don't and you play this zone shell behind them, they're going to get carved up. It's, I mean, it's just, it's the way the NFL works. So if they were struggling and the contain wasn't working, then they'd switch it up, but they're having so much success with the contain against the run. And that's their number one priority. You've got to change something else. Yeah. If you want to be better than you are. And and you just, you reminded me of one of the most frustrating things about this game, which is that the lines did start dialing up the blitz in the fourth quarter and it started working. And you were just like, where was that the first three quarters when, when Jordan Love was sitting back there and having a tea party and just waiting for guys to break open? Oh my goodness, dude. It, the, 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 the stat that probably stands out the most to me that, you know, just puts a stamp on everything that you guys just said. Jordan Love on Thursday. 11, 11 of 12 over the middle of the field for 120 yards and a touchdown. And like, it, it was just so easy, right? Like when you're playing that contained defense and you're, and you're doing that stuff, like you're going to leave the middle of the field open. And, and it's kind of clear that the Lions secondary, their back end, again, they just don't have the horses back there. And yeah. and I guess the one thing I do want to underline though, is like to no fault, I think of Brad Holmes. Do you know what I mean? Like 
he did his darndest to do everything to the secondary that he could have. Yeah. And and things just didn't, I mean, they didn't work out, right? Like Emmanuel yeah. Mosley lasted two snaps. CJ Gardner Johnson, a couple games. And how many defensive linemen has he drafted in three years? Yeah. And and, and listen, if, if he's not hitting, that's obviously partially his fault too, but there's there's been a lot of swings to improve that defense and, and it just uh, not a lot of hits. Josh Pascal was one of the best players on the field, especially if you look at his PFF grade, but he didn't get any pressure because right. that's not what they're asking them to do, right? Like the way that they're running this defense with yeah. that whole, like they're rushing Aiden, they're rushing Aleem, they're they're gapping with the nose, trying to occupy doubles, and then they're asking the other uh, pass rusher to kind of hold or kind of bend the edge. And sometimes they'll use a Sam linebacker outside of him to create some pressure. But like, Pascal was right now. Well, no, but they—that's the the deep the scheme does right, right? They just don't have the guy. Right. Like they've been trying to find the guy since training camp, right? Which is like you know, if you're looking was, ahead to you're looking to ahead James, to April, yeah. yeah. It was supposed to be James Houston. He's injured. It was supposed to be Julian O'Quar after that. He was a healthy scratch in this game. It was supposed to be Jack Campbell, and then they they stopped doing that in a hurry. Charles Harris, Derek, Derek Barnes, Charles Harris. I mean, yeah, it was supposed to be Charles Harris in camp, right? That's yeah. right. Yeah. It's just but none of the, yeah. Uh, yeah. None James of these Houston, he's still on the roster bubble. Because Stop they it. don't, they <laughs> don't have, a, <laughs> they don't have another, like they prioritize at setting the edge. And a, a lot of NFL teams do that. But with Hutch, you have a guy who can set the edge, stop the run, and pass rush, right? Yeah. On the opposite side, they don't have that. They have these, these run stuffers who can reduce inside. They have edge setters, but they don't really have pass rushers. And that's where the Sam came in. That's why they wanted to introduce that, that concept, but they don't have it on their roster. And, and, and so they're kind of just stalled at that point. And so they're just not a lot that they can do. And Houston was, he could have been that like, but it just, it hasn't worked and they've tried everything to try and work it. And so, and they can't. So it may be an off season, like Ryan said at the top to start the segment out. It, it's a lot of the problems on defense are probably fixed in the off season because even if James Houston comes back in late December, who's to say he's going to be, you know, that you're going to drop him in and he's going to be James Houston from last year. Right. Sure. Thank well, Hey, Bruce Irvin, Bruce Irvin, oh, there, oh, I don't know. There you go. Uh, I don't know. Well, we'll f- maybe I think we'll find out on Sunday. I think I think we will, and I think the best way to prepare all of us, including Bruce Irvin, is to get ourselves a little righteous felon beef jerky before we get to Sunday. That's right. The Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. We're gonna pump Bruce Irvin full of it. That's right. Righteous felon jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facility. They literally have it inside their training facility. I've seen it. Okay, that's not technically true, but I do know it's in the building. Uh, Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. They use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef and prides itself on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond stereotypical jerky offerings. Ryan, you're always talking about the uh, the, the turkey jerky. Give me another one. Give me maybe maybe people want beef. They want this. What would Angus what would be beef. the best one? What would be the best one 
for Bruce Irvin to, you know, get that juice in them. Oh, man. I, I, I don't think you could go wrong with the Maryland of Monroe. Okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, a, a little a little bit of a Old Bay seasoning on your mm-hmm. on your craft jerky. It, it, I mean, it just makes too much sense. It's a spice of life. Variety. <laughs> That's right. Uh, by the way, if if this appeals to you, and it absolutely should, guess what? We got a promo code. Promo code. Listen, it's it's everyone's searching for deals right now. It's it's Black Friday. It's Cyber Monday. Every every week is is Cyber Monday here at the Pride of Detroit podcast because you can get fifteen percent off right now. All you need to do is go to righteousfilm.com, type in POD fifteen, boom, fifteen percent off immediately. Buy yourself one of those bundles that's super cheap anyways. Make it even cheaper. Holidays around the corner. The gifts of meat. How many times do we have to tell you the gift of meat? Stuff those stockings with meat. That's right. Go to rightsfilm.com slash. No, just rightsfilm.com. And then enter POD15 and check out. Y'all know how to do coupon codes at this time. Go ahead and do it right now. And we'll be back on the POD cast right, right after this. And we are back here on the POD cast recapping week 12 and, and really now looking forward to week 13 and beyond because obviously there's there's a lot of people that are concerned right now. Um, and and I, it, it's hard not to blame them, right? The defense is not playing particularly well right now. The offense is is having their fair share of struggles. And you look ahead at this line schedule and, and maybe you see some teams that weren't that 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 weren't as bad as maybe you thought they were right. You know, Denver has won five straight. I believe Minnesota has won five out of six. Dallas is starting to pick things up. The bears are starting to pick things up. Saints, not so much. Um, And so I guess, I guess let's start. Let's just kind of start with big picture right now. Like how concerned are you? I mean, missing the playoffs entirely is, is still, it's not going to happen. It, you know, lines are like 97, 98, 99% still to make the playoffs and playoff odds. They'd have to at least go two and four down the stretch pretty much to to miss the playoffs. And that's with some teams winning out that aren't likely to win out. So let's put that aside. But I guess given how the lines are performing right now, given that Green Bay has a little bit of life, Minnesota has some more life. We'll see how they play against the Bears on Monday night. Division odds, divisionally. What's your concern level on a scale of one to ten? Eric first. Uh two, one? Like it's not okay. I'm not overly like I don't think I'm not too scared of the division at all. I know it's it's only two games, uh potentially gonna be three if if, if the Bears uh two and a half you know beat be, yeah, two and a half, thank you. Yeah. Uh but with only six games left and two of them against the Vikings, I just I'm not as I'm not as worried about that. And so, yeah, I'd say I'm it's a, I'll bump it. Up. I'll say like th- two. All right. So, <laughs> again, Eric is doing something that he did off stream um, or not, but in, in the break where he just takes a number and then takes all the numbers behind it, too. <laughs> um, but. 
I I'm going to go at a one. Um, oh. And it's because I feel like the lions control their own destiny large in part because yeah. they play the Vikings twice. And I think that they're the team that they're the team that is the threat. Like the Packers right. are not the threat. The Packers are not winning the division, um, but the Vikings are a threat. And, you know, it maybe, maybe it bumps up to a two if the Vikings win on Monday night, um, just because, okay, like now you really do have to, you do have to beat them twice. Um, I, I think to to lock up the division, but I, I for now, like it's a one. I'm not that worried. Yeah, I'm, I think a split with Minnesota leaves you in a pretty darn good position, right? Like, and sweeping them, it's like it's over. It's over. Right. Yeah. No. No shot. And the tricky part is is looking at the schedule, right? I mean, a Bears win would be huge, right? I think that would drop me from what I'm probably at right now, which is like maybe a three and a half and four to a two to a one. If if the Vikings lose, it's not over over, but you need a Viking sweep and maybe even more than that to for the for them to catch the Lions. But you look at their schedule, Bears, Raiders team that's showing some signs of life, a Bengals team that is not showing any signs of life without Joe Burrow, Lions twice and the Packers as well on uh, on Sunday night, which would be an interesting one in between sandwiched in between those Lions games. And then okay, I'm, uh, I'm up to a two now after you okay. just listed off their schedule. <laughs> and then, and then, like I said, you look at the Lions schedule and it's not as easy as I think a lot of people were thinking before. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's tough. I don't think the Saints on the road is that tough. You you should play better against the Bears. And I don't think you can assume that just because the Bears took you to the brink at home that they're going to beat you at, at, oh, at Soldier. But Soldier's not also going to be an easy game. And then you got Broncos, again, a team that's showing some signs life. I, I still think they're a little fraudulent and then Vikings Cowboys Vikings, but I don't know. I, I think, I think I'm at a, at about a four. Um, I still mostly confident the lines are going to win the division, but they have to play a lot better than they've been playing. And I think that's, that's where I want to shift the conversation to here because I, I don't think that two games is necessarily a trend, but at the same time, they were sloppy against the Raiders too. And they won that game handily because they're a lot better than the Raiders. But I don't think there's a team like the Raiders left on the schedule. I don't think there's a team that bad on the schedule. So I don't know how much you can continue to get away with sloppy play. And I just, I don't know. I, th- I think the, the conundrum I'm facing right now, and a lot of Lions fans are, is, is figuring out who the Lions are right now. Because when you when you analyze something like that, part of you wants to say, okay, well, you're probably more like the team that you mo- most recently played as. You're, you're trending in a direction for reasons, whether it's your, your scheme's not working or your scheme is working, your young players are getting better, your certain players are getting worse, or do you pay more attention to the whole grand scheme of things? Do you, do you pay attention to the fact that the Lions offense has been phenomenal for most of the year when they're not turning the ball over? Do you pay any attention to the fact that a month or two ago, the defense was actually playing kind of okay? Does that factor into the equation at all? Or do you only focus on the fact that right now the Lions defense has struggled and since week seven or whatever it is, they are 32nd in EPA allowed? It's kind of a weird balance to be thinking right now because I don't I don't know which one to put more. This is kind of the the challenge I have when I put together my on paper previews. Do I take the whole chart or do I pay a little bit more attention to the recent chart? And I, I think we're only really going to know the answer to that question when we when we get to week 18. But 
it's 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 a tricky dilemma right now for for trying to identify what this Lions team is right now. You were getting dangerously close to saying the word momentum there. And Absolutely. I was a little bit worried for you. <laughs> Absolutely wasn't. <laughs> um, for me, I think I look at the whole picture um, for a couple reasons. One, because I think it shows potential. Two, because it fits my narrative better. Um, <laughs> but I think... Like, if you're going to be optimistic, you have to be able to look back and say, look, this is what they can do. And I, and, capable of, yeah. Yeah. And because you, you've seen time and time again, the offense click at a level that is very difficult for other teams to keep pace with. Um, are there concerns? Yes. And we talked about those in the first segment, right? Like there are problems with this defense that they have to correct. They, they've become predictable. They've become uh, passive in a lot of ways. And if those don't get correct, like that's where you like, I'm drawing more from like the recency stuff, but like the offense, the, the collective body of work, the offense has put together gives me the confidence that I think the offense is going to come back and they and I believe they can be good enough to overcome even some of the deficits of the defense. And, and I think with the offense, it, it's the self-inflicted stuff, right? Like the self-inflicted stuff that's happened the past two weeks, like we talked about in the first segment, like you can clean that stuff up. And if you yeah. can fix that stuff and there's enough of a body of work that says this offense is working and when it gets to play on its you know own terms, it's it's one of the best offenses in the league. I don't think that two games that primarily the offense's limitations were fueled by their own downfall turnovers, like turning the football over is going to kill any offense. Doesn't matter how good your offense is. Like you're turning the football over, you're losing football games. Right. They, they escaped with a victory against Chicago. But they didn't escape with a victory against green Bay. Like I, I think that to, I guess your point though, Jeremy, like, yeah, you want to have an understanding of, these these past two games where okay yeah we see that this offense isn't a superhuman offense it can't it can't uh you know stretch beyond its bounds and make up for when it shoots itself in the foot a bunch of times um but i don't know how many offenses can i don't think that's a uniquely detroit problem and i want to say that like there's enough data not even just going back jeremy to like you know the back to the beginning of the season but like archers right (laughs) Yeah, like I mean that there's 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 so much to look at from the season that says yeah, I I there's enough there. There's enough there yeah. to be confident in the offense. Well, let's let's turn to the other side of the ball cuz I think most people would agree that this offense is still capable and and more than likely going to continue to be at least a top 10 offense, maybe even to top 5 offense considering where the health of the team is at and and hopefully Jonah Jackson comes back and and makes that offensive line complete for what the third game all season. Um, Defensively though, the, the, the issues are more complicated. The maybe the, the likelihood of a turnaround or maybe slightly less. And, and I want to focus on the pass rush first because that's the one that Dan Campbell was asked about after the game. And I thought he had a very interesting answer. Wasn't necessarily one I agreed with, but I'm going to read it here. Um, he says, quote, same guys we've had here um, and we've been able to generate pressure. And so this is a unit is going to be just fine. We're going to get going and we're 
we pressured a little more today, played a little tight, but these are our guys, man. And these guys can do it and they've done it. The same thing we just faced there. We went out and to Green Bay and we were able to create pressure. And that, I mean, that Green Bay game feels like in Green Bay ages ago, but he's right. That game, they absolutely terrorized Jordan Love, and it was a big reason they jumped out to that 28 to 3 lead or whatever it was, 27 to 3. But the inconsistencies are way, way, way too much. And part of it is schematic things where, where I do think they, they tend to, they, they really like contain. But also, I think it feels like every other week, Dan Campbell is saying we got to start winning our one on ones. And who who amongst that group is capable of winning their one-on-ones outside of eliminating? I don't think it's anybody. Because they're and, and they're asking again, I think it goes back to the preference of stopping the run because he's talked about some of the problems have been that transition from a run stop to a pass rush. I don't know who's capable of doing that on this team other than Aiden Hutchinson, other than Ali McNeil. And so Dan's faith that it's just going to happen with this group, that he just needs to motivate them a little bit more, that they just need to get their fundamentals down a little bit. I don't know if I believe, I mean, they've had what four or five games where they've had zero sacks and then, you know, 90% of their sacks come in three different games. That's not, I mean, that's not good enough. That's not consistent enough for me to believe that's going to turn around. Yeah. Like this was the problem earlier in the season. Right. And, and he, said a similar thing where he said the transition from run to pass rush is not happening fast enough and needs to click faster. And, and, and he's right. It does need to click faster. And if it, if that happens, they will be a better unit. The issue is when it doesn't happen, you need to have a counter punch. You need to be able to come up with plan B. And right now they don't seem to have a plan B. Or if they do, it doesn't come till the, the the fourth quarter, right? You need to, with the Bears game, you had a plan B. It was, if Justin Fields is going to get us, we have to switch to this. And they did, and it worked, and it slowed them down, and it forced the Bears to get off of their, you know, pre-planned hand the ball to or have Justin Fields run it on first down every time. They didn't have that in Green Bay, and they didn't really have that in L.A., either right like they didn't have that that adjustment and in, unless they have that adjustment ready and Aaron Glenn is ready to pull the trigger on it it's going to be a hard road for this defense to make changes so can things click yeah that'd be the best case scenario but if they don't Aaron Glenn has to make a decision and he has to have another idea in his pocket. And and I don't know if it's as simple as just waving your wand and saying blitz more, because I mean, here's the thing, the lions um, so far this season uh, and their, and their blitz rate has gone up. Cause I mean, what through the first like four or five weeks or something like that, like they were, I think lowest in the league Um, or if not 32nd, 31st, but they've, they've kind of climbed up here a little bit. Um, and, and, and now they're at sitting at 20.8%. Um, I, looking at pro football focus uh, against the Packers, I mean, they blitzed on 14 of Jordan Love's 33 dropbacks. Like, and if those numbers are true, then like, I mean, the Vikings have the highest blitz rate at 47%. I mean, the, the Lions were darn near close to it 
that that didn't help it. It didn't it didn't fix much. Like, I, I don't think the answer is as simple as we'll just send extra defenders like because I think that's putting a stress test on the secondary and especially the middle of the field and the coverage linebackers. And if it's not Alex Anzalone, I'm really worried about what that second level can do in terms of pass defense. Yeah. Uh, I think that there's there's some legitimate reason. And again, I'm not I'm not saying we should be concerned or worried about Jack Campbell because linebacker is just a super hard position to learn. And there's going to be this huge learning curve. But like that just hasn't been there at all this year. And and I, I think that that's a I don't know. Again, that's not a spot that I think you can clean up down the stretch here. I think that's something that, you know, we mentioned earlier. It's like an offseason issue to address. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The the one thing I, I do wonder, though, is whether the lines will make a big sweeping change schematically, because we know how big I, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I don't, not, I don't, I'm not asking you the question, but I'm asking yeah, you the question. Right. I the, the, like, do you, you think do you think Aaron Glenn's job is? No, I don't think they're going to fire Aaron Glenn midseason. No, 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 not not now. No. But I'm saying like how they perform over this stretch here down the I, end and whatever happens in the playoffs. Like, no, I mean, I doubt it, but it, I'm, I'm not. I do, not too. Compl- I do, too. But my my only point is that we've we've seen this habit from this team. They they don't get complacent when things start going south with one side of the ball. They they figure things out. They try different things. And they and listen, the Lions have tried a lot of different things this year. We were talking off air about all the changes they've made at Sam Linebacker, right? They've 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 tried to find five or six guys that can play that position. They're still trying to figure that one out. Um but I think we're getting to a point here where it's three, four, five games in a row now where the, the defense is just getting killed out there and they're gonna have to find some answers. And now with the I do wonder, they've got 10 game, 10 days in between games here. Are they going to come out and try something different? We've seen this team get bettered in the second half of the season consistently through the first two years. Maybe that's just two data points that that don't happen to have a correlation. Maybe it's just happenstance. Maybe it's just a really young team getting better in the second half of the season. But it's disappointing to see them heading in the other direction at the halfway point of the season now, particularly on defense. So I'm hoping that, that that's one of the things that actually keeps me a little bit hopeful about the stretch of six games. Everyone seems to think, well, two, three data points. We see a downward trend. We see that where this is going. The lines are going to blow another division lead. They're, they're going to lose. I mean, here's, here's the thing. Think, think of the NFL. Think of where you were in this NFL season three weeks ago, your perception of a bunch of these teams, your perceptions of Denver, your perception of the lines, your perception of the bills, your perception of the Bengals way different than it is now. Well, fast forward three weeks. It could be the exact same here. It could be the exact same thing about Minnesota. Be the back, like things change so ha- quickly in the NFL, and we and each game means so much that the way we alter our perceptions of these teams just swings wildly week to week. And that's why sometimes I do go back to the fuller body of work rather than where these two data points are trending. So that that was supposed to be my optimistic pitch about going forward because. I, I do think we don't know. I do think I'm not completely giving up on this defense. I do think they're going to try to figure some things out. I don't think they're going to get better players. I don't think Bruce Irvin is suddenly going to be a seven sack guy down the stretch here. He's not going to have a, a James Houston-esque tear. And there are going to continue to be coverage issues. There are going to continue to be pass rush issues. But I think there's enough guys in that building to realize something needs to change 
defensively. And I just don't think they're going to sit on their hands. And and even though that is kind of what Dan Campbell seems to be saying, it's like, oh, we got the guys. It's going to be fine. I, I think behind the scenes, he's going to be a little bit more like, all right, we got to get things going here, fellas. What are we going to do? That's where I'm at. Hey, hey, Eric, I don't know if it's just me, but I know, especially on Thursday, it felt like as I was watching the defense get set, and I don't know if it's me just having too much tunnel vision and just watching too much Lions football, but it seems like, you know, and I know that Campbell and Glenn, they've talked about the the issues in terms of communication um, with the defense. It just seems like right up to the snap, there's a lot of guys that are like motion, you know, they're, they're making hand signals to one another. People are, it seems like that they're just a bit out of sorts all the way up until when the ball snapped. And I guess I just, I, I just noticed that a bit over the past two weeks um, and especially so on Thursday where it's like, man, like these guys were getting it figured out all the way up until the point where the ball was getting snapped. There were, there were a couple instances where they were still moving at the snap too. Um, they do run. So they run two different levels of communication with the linebackers um, adjusting the line in front of them. And then the defensive backs adjusting the uh, the linebackers and the other the safeties adjusting the other defensive backs and will sometimes ask the the linebackers to do so so they have this layered system so it takes a little bit more communication and the whole zone scheme that they run is based on communication so whenever you have a team that runs motion they're going to be yelling at each other and stuff like that that's just that's comes with the the nature of of them of their opponent um but I agree with you. Um, I think some of it is the motion, the scheme, the fact that they were in zone a ton. But I, I do agree with you that there was, there were times that Jeremy and I turned to each other and were like, they didn't know what was going on right there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it was, it was either late adjustments or they were they were audibleing or, or something. Like it, it just it, it's it did seem a little bit disheveled uh, at times against Green Bay. All right, last thing before we get out of here, uh, let's try to end on an optimistic note here. Tell me one player in these final six games that is going to explode, is is going to reach maybe some potential that, that we haven't seen yet that is going to be absolutely essential to what the Lions do down the stretch here. It can be on either side of the ball. Who's one, who's one guy you think he hasn't quite broken out yet, but we got, we got a third of the season left here. Plenty of time for this guy. Just break out. Um, I, I I don't know if I quite have my answer, but I do want to say that it's kind of been the worst thing that's happened where last year, not enough people were talking about John Kaminsky and now nobody's talking about John <laughs> Kaminsky. So it would be nice if people started talking about how nobody's talking about John Kaminsky anymore. Um, so I would appreciate that to happen. Um, he's already kind of broken out, but I guess my answer would be Sam Laporta. Okay. Like, I think that, I think that there's, uh, Goff, I mean, it's clear that Goff just loves targeting that guy. And I mean, yeah. I, I don't know why you wouldn't, right? And I just, I, I think that down the stretch here, like I I feel like the Lions are going to really want to stick to what they know and what they do well. And I think it's just like between the numbers, man. Like I think that it's, it's running the football and it's Goff working in the middle of the field. And that that feels like the recipe to success, and I think that one of the guys who could really break out would would be Laporta, even though he's you know technically already broken out. But 
It feels like he's hit a little bit of a midseason lull. A little bit, yeah. Maybe that's and you wonder right. if it's the rookie wall, maybe. But like, I mean, he caught a touchdown pass. He sure did on Thursday. Bruce Irvin. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um I, I, my gut says the the player that's trending on a upward scale over the last several games is JMO because he has been slowly getting more involved and more involved and more involved. His snap counts are going up and up and up and up. And it seems very logical that if the offense is going to take off, they're going to need to incorporate him more. Um, He's getting more, he's only getting about the same amount of targets, but the, the opportunities seem to be more, um, opportunistic, right? Like he's he has a, he has a much better chance be, uh, now as opposed to earlier when it seemed like they were trying to force it, right? Um, so that makes I mean that's it's probably the easy answer. Um, but you know if I think that's probably the player who seems to be on that trajectory uh, for me, I guess. Yeah, that that does feel like the the right answer and. Um, as as the Lions and, and Goff gets more trust and chemistry with him, it feels like the targets are going to start to increase in, in a very serious way, really, it, at any moment. Even, you know, felt like there was a couple plays in for him last week and hit on a couple of them. And that's just going to increase and increase and increase. Um, I feel like I have to go defensive side of the ball just to provide a little bit more optimism because you guys are too scared. And I get it. <laughs> the, the defense doesn't look I- very promising right now. I almost I I was expecting Ryan to take JMO, so I was going to go defense. I'll have a defensive one if you don't uh, if you don't pick my guy. Here's... Don't take this as a slight, but JMO felt like the obvious answer, so I tried to go <laughs> well, off the no. beaten path. Well, I t- low hanging fruit, man. I'll take it. <laughs> Here's who I want it to be, and I'm not so sure if it it is or isn't going to be, but it's a guy who was trending up at this point last season. This is about the time where he started to break out last season. Same guy, Kirby Joseph. Isaiah Bucks. Oh, <laughs> uh, Kirk, Kirby's had a rough year. Um, he has not yeah. been particularly great as a deep safety. It's been late to a lot of deep balls. It's been the reason why some of these teams have been able to connect on some deep shots. We need, I mean, Dan Campbell said it after the game. We need to start creating turnovers. We need to be that team. That's how the defense turned around last year. It wasn't a lot of like down to down efficiency. It was creating turnovers. And he is the best ball hawk on the team. He just needs to put himself into better positions. He needs to remember to do his job because he's the kind of guy that tends to play out of position sometimes because he thinks he sees something. And a lot of times that can look really good. And a lot of times that can look really bad. It's very much a risk reward kind of guy. Um, Needs to think, play a little bit more inside himself going down the stretch here. And if he does, those interceptions will come. So that's my guy. That was the defender I was going to pick too. I think he's got the opportunity. I it's it's for me it's less about him struggling and more about him being the guy who could turn it around. Like you said yeah. at the end, like you like you said, he's the one who has the best chance of getting the turnovers. He has the best chance. Like he has he he has the best chance on the defense of making a huge impact yeah. that an, an impact that isn't being felt right now. Right. Like, like Aiden, you can feel his impact. I don't think Aiden turning it up another notch or two is going to be like, 
it would be nice, but it's not going to be like completely game altering the way that interceptions would be. And Kirby is is the guy who can deliver that. All right. I think we'll leave it there, fellas. As long as all that stuff happens, everything's going to be fine. And, you know, everything's probably going to be fine anyways, because here's here's the thing I need to keep reminding everybody. The Lions are going to make the playoffs. Almost everyone agrees with that. And if they make the playoffs, anything can happen after that. If they win a playoff game, who cares if they lose the last, you know, four out of six or whatever it is. No one's going to care. Because all you needed to do is get in the dance. And the Lions played well enough in the first half of the season where they're in a position where they almost have to make the dance. So try not to stress out too much. Let's not let's not be those guys like, oh, do we even want to make the playoffs or playing so bad? No. You want to make the playoffs. Lines are are fun. Playoffs are fun. Let's enjoy it. They're going to be all right. But Jeremy, the Lions will never get an edge rusher if they have a good record because they can't get one in the first round if they're drafting really low. Do you remember who our general manager is? Do you remember <laughs> how he can hit in the day three at a moment's notice? As long as he's not drafting defensive linemen in the second round. That's well, second round. Second round is impossible unless you have Brian Branch. <laughs> so you can't miss a prospect. Or I guess Sam Laporta. Either way, guys, it's going to be okay. That's That's the message here. And hopefully you feel a little bit better after this podcast. We'll be back later this week, midweek mailbag preview podcast, and we're still raising money for November. We only have about a week and a half left. We're going to have our marathon stream live on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit and youtube.com slash at pride of Detroit. That is Tuesday, December 5th from 8 a.m. Eastern to midnight. You're going to want to be there. Ton of awesome guests, ton of fun, ton of, prizes and shenanigans and all sorts of stuff. But until then for Eric, for Ryan, for Chris editing this whole thing. Hope you feel better, buddy. It's chaos. Be gone. <laughs>